Welcome, fans, to another edition of the Cheap Pete Productions Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jack Kilby, Executive Vice President of Great North Wrestling, and I'm very pleased to have a man, a legendary figure in this business on tonight to talk about his experience. And he's really synonymous with Ohio Valley Wrestling and the successes of the quote-unquote golden era of OVW and talk about his, his uh, not only his tenure in OVW, but his uh, experiences in terms of the, the documentary. We'll get into all manners of topics around that. And that would be the one, the only star maker, Kenny Boland. Kenny, thanks for coming on tonight, sir. I think you actually got that introduction about 98% right this time. That is a dramatic improvement over the last time that we tried to do that. Do me a favor and just to explain who I am and what I am. If, if, if we can take down this, the big giant star maker bowling green, everybody knows where I am on Twitter. I'm not hard to find. I, I, I'm, of course, shadow man like a, like a bitch. But uh, if you could take that, do you have the ability to do that, to take down the star maker bowling? Um, Let me see. Uh, I, green sign, and if you don't, don't worry about it. But, but that's where the crown sets. That 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 uh, indicates that I am the king. That I am the one that the that the king of podcast. As you see, there, the king of podcast, the Lord of Louisville. Uh, that uh, that that was passed down to me. Did you and, want me to uh, leave that portion, Kenny? The king of the podcast, Lord of. You Louisville? can leave that. You you can leave that in there because that that won't cover up the crown. I want everybody to see the crown. I got an autographed Bill Dundee action figure there. Uh, Bill is supposed to be coming on the show soon. Um, there we go. Now you see the crown that the, that the the other king, the king of Memphis, handed down to me. He knew he was never going to be king of Louisville, so he might as well as, uh, just pass that on to me. Several years ago, Filipino flag uh, hanging in the background there. I had, I had some troll. You you know my feelings about Donald Trump. I think I've mentioned that in the past. Well, yes, I, had, I, had, I had some trolls, some rednecks, some morons, some people with not much of a functioning brain cell. That sent me some Trump flags. That's okay. So I sold those uh, for I think about forty bucks a pop. So, okay, idiot. Send That's them to me. My brother lives out in Trump Land, so I was the guest out there at a sponsor on our show. That is, I would say that Carroll County is probably ninety-five percent Trump supporters, at least ninety. So I went into that restaurant out there, and I had four of those flags with me, and they they, they couldn't pay enough for them. But I limited to forty bucks. And then, and then the idiots put a Filipino flag in there to make fun of all the fundraising that I do for Filipino family. Well, I actually like that. And that's why I tell you what, I'll just hang that up over my fireplace and show my loyalty and, leg and, and allegiance to the Filipino families that we help. And uh, so the trolls actually sent me something I like for a change. So I made good money off their stupid flags they sent me. I was going to burn them. And I said, well, you know what? Make some money off from it. And then, uh, and then donate that to charity. And then uh, hung the Filipino flag. And I might autograph that and sell that to somebody down the road as well. So I see Mike, Mike D, not Mike Dundee, by the way, but Mike D has made a nice $2 donation. Yes, sir. He's asking your thoughts on Sean O'Hare and his tragic passing 10 years ago. Well, obviously, that would be a, a very sad day. Um, what other thoughts would you like to make a minute to? Well, and there's some say that it wasn't suicide, that it was a sexual fantasy type thing that he occasionally participated in uh, with the strangling and everything. And, and I think I heard in his closet and uh, or maybe in his bedroom or whatever it was, and that it got a little carried away, that it wasn't really actually a suicide, that it was more accidental death than it was suicide. Uh, I've heard it explained both ways. I wasn't there. I didn't know that Sean was into any such thing. 
He was a dear friend, uh, a, a great, a great character that WWE had that they didn't know what to do with. The Absolutely. man got a clean, the, the man got a clean victory over Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. uh, beating one, two, three. Now Hogan had a mask on, but say hey, still Hulk Hogan. Everybody knew who it was. He wasn't trying hard to dis- to disguise who he was. It's like when Dusty Rhodes was the Midnight Rider or whatever he was. He wasn't fooling anybody. Mm-hmm. And if I beat the Midnight Rider, then I beat Dusty Rhodes. Well, Sean O'Hare beat Hulk Hogan live on SmackDown. One, two, three. No cheating, no interference. Beat him right in the middle of the ring. So they had Sean where they wanted him. The character was great. But, but like with John Cena, Vince didn't get it. And Vince is on a DVD that I'm on. Uh, me and Danny Davis were talking about how great we thought Cena was going to be. And Vince is on the DVD. I didn't get it. Uh, I, you know, I I was ready to let him go. Uh, same time they were going to let Rico go. And they did let Rico go for 90 days. But fortunately, Stone Cold Steve Austin helped us uh, save that situation. Can, can you explain to me how possibly Vince could not get Sean O'Hare? The man had the look. Or had- John Cena. I mean, my well, God, John, John Cena too, of course. But I, I, I thought uh, Sean O'Hare had World Champion written all over him. His oh, yeah. work was strong. His man could do a he could, he could do a swanton bomb off the top rope. Did it many times at OVW. Jimmy didn't like him doing it. Uh, number one for the risk of injury. Number two for a man that big to be able to do that. Also, Mister Black, who worked with us, which was in excess of four hundred pounds, he could do it as well. But just it, it kind of buries the big man mentality when he can mentality when they do what the little men do. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy wasn't really thrilled with him doing it, but um, you know, he did it anyway. <laughs> so what do you do? What a, I, I think we, we talked about this before. Uh, what, a, what a tremendous missed opportunity in Sean O'Hare. I, I, at the time I couldn't believe it when he was released. I am uh, by the way, I am a bowling guy. I'm the one that most qualified to wear this shirt because there's nobody more bowling than me. And these are available uh, in my uh, T-shirt shop, uh, uh, Teesprings. And just go to my Facebook page, my Twitter page, or my podcast, and you will see us posted there. And if there's any shirts in there that you like with the BS logo, the I'm a bowling guy, whatever you like, uh, we donate all the profits, not all the proceeds. we got to make it very clear. All the profits go to help feed our Filipino families. Uh, but we got to pay for this stuff. Do we only do we only have one viewer? <laughs> Mike D's the only one asking any questions. No, we we have several. But the the, well, the matter the matter at hand that I wanted Wait, to ask he's you know, talking. ask you about before we get into uh, the OVW discussion is you you are very familiar with uh, Rene Dupree, of mm-hmm. course. No, certainly am. Managed him for for a period of time. Yes, sir. Rene is making his his return to Great North Wrestling, my promotion on November the 4th in Renfrew, Ontario, where he will be main eventing against Magnum McLaren, the new Canadian champion, the phenomenon, the young man who has future superstar written all over him. I know you you saw some of the uh, the title match uh, against Jeremy Prophet, where I uh allegedly was less than effective with the briefcase, which was a tribute, by the way. But two-part question. Well, it, it, it wasn't allegedly. I saw it. And less than effective, um, you could have used some coaching. You could have used it from, from a professional. Um, I was trying to see. The briefcase is over there just to the left of that pillow, the real 
the real briefcase, not this crap that money in the bank uses that they stole. They, they admitted they stole it from me. Uh, I forgot who the writer was. He's not with them anymore, but he came down to Louisville and said, I got to get you in that briefcase in the WWE. I said, well, Triple H and Stephanie don't like Southerners and they really don't like me because I'm friends with Jimmy. I said, I don't really like the chances. How are you doing there, Jake Walker? If you, if your real name is Jake Walker and, um, and it might, it might not be, could be under here under an, an assumed name, but, um, no, so they couldn't get me. So they got the briefcase and they've had it for many and they made a lot of money off that briefcase. And I think they owe me at least a tiny percentage of, well, when I worked in OVW, uh, I got all my sales and marketing deals and personal appearances that I set up for other, other people. And they paid me 30%. So I think 30% of every dollar they've made off money in the bank would be more than a fair out-of-court settlement. Otherwise, I should sue them for every dime they've ever made because I wish I could think uh, of the writer's name. Uh, I don't know if you know any of the old writer's names that were around in the mid-2000s. But this would have... Nope. You say the name and I'll know it. Hmm. I, I, I'll have to scan the memory. Herrera, Gala, I don't know if... If somebody, sure yeah, if somebody says the name, he was around for a long time and, and was one of the more respected writers at that time, might have even been considered the lead writer. And it would have been in the early to mid 2000s, I guess. I can't remember if it was before or after Jimmy got fired. I can't remember. Just to make it clear, though, that my use of the briefcase as part of the big money player stable is meant as nothing but a tribute. Nothing but a tribute. To the great star maker kenny Bolden. Well, why didn't you knock the guy out and put him in the hospital for about two weeks because that's the goal is just to shoot on him and to hospitalize some people e even in the movie i was in i got a movie as a matter of fact boy oh we lost kenny hopefully he'll pop back up fans this is just a sample of the entertaining content that kenny boland provides and here he is back again we got you back. I, I, I guess I hit a button on my keyboard reaching for the DVD. There's a big movie I was in with Al Snow and and and, and uh, Kid uh, Kid Cash and and Brutus Barber Beefcake, who by the way was edited out of the movie. I'd love to tell you why, <laughs> but uh, for I obvious reasons. And Handsome Jimmy Valiant, of course, and I was featured in this movie, as you can tell by the DVD cover. Jim Cornette yeah. said this movie did not. Uh, it was not released that it escaped. It might be some proof. <laughs> so, uh, but I was in this movie, and uh, and who did you just mention? Um, oh, just Raven. Raven was in this movie. R Rene Dupree, who is headlining the Great North Wrestling. He was not, in, he was, he was not in this movie, by the way. He was. What What do you think of uh, Rene's uh, resurgence that's happening right now with COVID over and and the ability to, to well, North America? I, I, he's making quite a return to the ring i've done renee shows uh many times they love me over there the canadians love me for some reason you're over in canada oh ain't i ain't i now 100 uh, yeah they they apparently uh there's somebody up there trying to smarten those marks up and i refuse to be a part of that and so they get a little irked at me sometimes over on renee show and then i got some that are loyal fans that love me over there that understand what the wrestling business is and that I am the personification of professional wrestling. As Jerry Jarrett once said, Kenny Boland is the epitome of professional wrestling because you never know when he's working or shooting, and that's how it should be. And mm -hmm. Danny, Davis, Danny Davis once said when I screwed something up on television, he said, tell Jerry Jarrett he's a liar. <laughs> so I, did, I didn't pass that on to Jerry. 
but that was Danny's view. I forgot what I screwed up, but it was, it was something I, I screwed up bad. And, uh, and that's when you remember what Jerry Jarrett says. I'm the epitome of professional wrestling. He said, well, you tell Jerry Jarrett he's a effing liar. So, uh, but I did not pass that message on because uh, I didn't want Jerry to think Danny would say such a thing, but he did. So, uh, but no, Renee, uh, I had him for a very short period of time. And there's a reason why when Renee got here, he lived with me for a very short period of time at my house until we could get him into his own housing. And, uh, so he's just there like a few days or something. And, um, Renee and I didn't really get along at first because Renee was 19 years old. He was saying a lot of things that a 19 year old up and comer, regardless who your father is, probably shouldn't be saying. And he said, and this is going to come back to make Renee look pretty smart. Renee said, because it's normally a two-year project when we would get talent down here. Shit, Cena was here for quite some time. Rico was here for quite some time. Mark Henry, The Big Show, uh, Randy Orton. Uh, I mean, you name them. They, they were here normally for a while, one to two years in most cases. The plan was be prepared to be an OVW for two years. And then you might know enough to actually deserve a call-up. Well, Rene Dupree gets there. He's 19 years old. Might have even been 18. and uh, But I think we build him as 19 on OVW. And Rene told me in, in private, so to say, that um, he said, well, Kenny, I don't know why you're making all these big plans. He says, I'll be lucky to be here six months. And, and, um, and I said, really? I said, what makes you think that? Well, I don't really need this. My father's Emil Dupree. I don't really need this. I said, okay. And uh, so Renee came down with a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, confidence from a 19-year-old kid with those of us, the Danny Davises, the Rip Rogers, the the Jim Cornettes, um, the, the, the Al Snows, the various ones that were there, don't normally like 19-year-olds telling us when they're going to get called up. And uh, especially Jimmy. So we're thinking, what shit, how can he be the son of Emil Dupree and not realize he's going to be here a while? So uh, eventually on television, we told the story that, that Renee says, don't plan on me being here very long. I will be called up to the WWE within six weeks. And I want you to know that about six to eight weeks later, we, we build it at six weeks, that they called him up, him and, um, and uh, who was uh, Sylvan Grandier. Grandier. And, um, so on television, uh, I was supposed to go out and do an interview with Renee and Sylvan cause I was managing them at the time. So I show up and I don't, and, and, and we had had bets in the back that, uh, that Lance Cade, uh, Mark Jindrak and Renee and Sylvan were, were not going to be called up anytime soon. And Jimmy had even said he didn't think Lance or, or, uh, Jindrak were ever going to get called up. Now, whether he meant the word ever or not, I don't know, but he didn't think anytime soon. I want you to know all four of them got called up in a reasonable amount of time. And, and Renee Dupree says, and wouldn't you know, six weeks to the day I have been called up to the WWE. I will be leaving this filthy, stinking place. And he wasn't here long. I did not have Renee here very long. And, uh, and in Lance Cade and Jindrak, we had a bet. We had a legit bet in the back. Week two, three weeks later. Lance Cade and uh, Mark Jindrak get called up. And uh, so I come out and I'm supposed to do an interview with those two. And Jimmy's in the ring and waiting on me to get there. And, and he's got a grin on his face. And I got to, and we did not discuss this promo whatsoever. It was just, it was supposed to be one thing. And now we're going to turn it into another. And Jimmy and I have worked with each other for 35 years at that time. So we knew what to do. 
And uh, so he gets in, we, we get in the ring and uh, Jimmy says, well, 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 and that's the night that he named me the star maker. He said, well, if it ain't the old star maker himself, well, there'd been a few Kings in wrestling, but to my knowledge, there had never been a star maker. And I'd never heard that phrase before I got in the ring that night. He says, well, 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 if it ain't the old star maker, I said, you, well, you got that right, son. I said, I'm cranking them up one side and down the other. I said, and speaking of making stars, you might realize there's a couple guys not with me here tonight. And you remember in the back when you and Danny Davis were saying, well, bowling, your role is going to come to an end. You've been sending them to the WWE left and right, but this Caden Jindrak, it's over. They're never going to get called up to the WWE. And wouldn't you know, Jimmy, three weeks later, guess who ain't with me tonight? Caden Jindrak. You know where they're at, Jimmy? They're in the WWE, right? Where you and Danny Davis, and this is a shoot. This is what was said in the back, but it makes good television. So what the hell? You bet me that those boys would never get called up. And three weeks to the day, they are now big stars in the WWE. You're right. I am the star. Man, you remember You remember how you looked at me when I told you that they were going to be called up within the next 90 days? And you looked at me like I had a smoking turd in my mouth and Jimmy dies on camera. He has to jump off camera because he cannot believe I said you looked at me like I had a smoking turd in my mouth. Danny's dying in the back. I get to the back after the interview. He calls me to the office. I'm thinking he's mad. He says, did I just hear you say smoking turd on television? I said, yeah. So it seemed like the same thing to do at the time. He shakes his head. He says, do you realize that might be the only time in the history of pro wrestling that anybody ever said smoking turd on television? I said, I'm proud of that, believe it or not. And he's glad, he's get out of here. So, um, and then I told the story with Jerry Lawler on his podcast. And I said, and I was told that I'm the only person to ever say smoking turd on television. And he says, why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> it seems like the, the thing to do. And I'm going to go one more thing. I'm on some memory medicine now in my memory. I'm on it. I'm like, I'm like two weeks in and the memory medicine gives you strange dreams, very colorful and very bright dreams. And it does. I mean, it's, it's sparked me a little bit over the past couple of weeks, more than a little bit. I, I feel my podcast are better than ever because it just feels like the flow's coming out better. Mm-hmm. I have a dream about Jerry Lawler last night. Uh, somebody sent me a picture of what he's looking like now. I wrote him a letter and said, Hey, I said, are you considering going on tour as, uh, as, um, what was it? Jerry Lee Lawler. Cause he's wearing a cowboy hat and he's got the big gray beard and mustache. All that. All Similar that, to yours, yeah. only solid gray. Yeah, and, yeah. um, and, uh, he, he just grinned, uh, sent me a smiley face about it. And, uh, Jerry Lee Lawler. So I had to look up his real middle name. Do you know Lawler's real middle name? Um, I did. It had, it had, it had such a Jerry Lee Lawler had such a great ring to it. I thought, Maybe that is his middle name. Maybe uh, I've just called him out for it, but I looked it up and I didn't know. I've known Jerry since 1974. I never knew his real middle name. I was wondering if you knew because no, I now know. Not with definitive. If authority. you had to guess, if, you, if a guy's named Jerry Lawler, what middle name would you give him? Jerry Francis Lawler. <laughs> well, that's one name you could have given him. Uh, that's, his name, that's my best guess. His name is Jerry O'Neill Lawler. Mm. I would have, if you'd have told me to guess from now till next Tuesday, I would not have come up with Jerry O'Neill Lawler, Jerry mm. Lee Lawler, Jerry Jackson Lawler. I don't know. I'd have come up with a lot. I'd have never come up with Jerry O'Neill. And I can't believe it's never because my name is Kenneth Wayne Boland, but I never ever use my middle name. Why? Because I had an uncle named Sammy Wayne 
And the only time we heard the name Wayne is when our mothers were mad at us. And I didn't particularly like Sammy back then. So my mother, Kenneth Wayne, you get in here right now. Don't you ever call me Wayne. Sammy's called Wayne. I don't want to be Wayne. I wanted another middle name. I don't know what I would have come up with if I would have picked my own star maker, probably. But um, <laughs> no, Jerry O'Neill, I never, never thought that was uh, his middle name. But now I know. So I wrote him uh, Yeah, also yesterday after I saw that picture. I said I would not have come up with O'Neill. Jer- Jerry Lee Lawler just seemed to make a lot more sense to me. Yeah, the so alliteration him, there. It's not too late to change his name. He's only 72. Absolutely. 73, what? November the 29th for Jerry the King Lawler. Dutch Mantell, I think, turned 75, either 74 or 75 on November 29th. And wow. JBL, I think, is in his late 50s, and he tur- he has a birthday November 29th. And two of my biggest fans, a couple of little teenage girls over in the Philippines that religiously watch our show that we've helped get uniform. Uh, little Eunice is uh, November 29th. And Little Ruby, who is uh, doing very good in some dance competitions over there. She turns 14 November 29th. So I got five birthdays I got to acknowledge on November 29th. Well, at least it's uh, it's easy to remember with that many falling uh, on well, one Well, Cornette, Cornette just had his birthday September 17th, and my dog Two Cow's birthday is September 17th. My big Labrador looks a lot like the one in the window, only he doesn't move much. <laughs> and uh, Scooby's birthday is November 11th, my little Scooby. Um, I'm shocked they haven't been in here yet. Give them time. And uh, Choco, uh, my son, and Choco, my little pit bull, we all three celebrate our birthday March 16th. That's tremendous. Isn't it now? Isn't in, it now? In, in terms of your involvement, uh, this 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 documentary, just, just to set the table a little bit, or this docu-series, rather. Docu-drama, docu-series, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. I, I'm know, in for, it, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. I, I'm in the movie. Yes, yes, you are. You're in for... A lot, uh, of meme, a lot of memes were floating around on Twitter and Facebook advertising me as the big star of the show, so I, I hope you've tuned in and watched all seven episodes. Well, I, I certainly did and was was expecting um, given your as I discussed in the introduction, given your your you're synonymous with OVW and, and you're I am, I am I am one of only five members in the OVW Hall of Fame. Uh, myself, Jim Cornette, obviously, Danny Davis, the owner of the company, probably bought his way into the Hall of Fame if I had to guess. <laughs> Dean Hill, come on. Dean Hill with me. Dean was pretty good. Now, Hall of Fame? Well, he was there a long time. Probably longer than me. So, okay. Well, we'll give Dean a pass. And then a referee. What has a referee ever done to contribute to professional wrestling? Ever. Name me one referee. And some well, will say, well, probably that Brian Brian Hildebrand with Cornette. They called him the shooter. Brian almost ran Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I, I shit on a lot of referees. I call them frustrated wrestlers. Well, you can't work. You can't manage. So, you become a referee. And that was just a little dig with me and the refs. I didn't, you know, just to punk them out a little bit. Well, if you ain't got no talent, you should be a referee. I hope a lot of referees are watching today. And I know there are. Because everybody on Facebook is either a referee, a wrestler, professional. They're professional wrestlers. Which means they pay their bills from the money they earn in professional wrestling. Are you aware of that? Mm, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, you, you own a wrestling company. It's probably hard enough to pay your bills with what you make from professional wrestling. But whenever it's called, and, and you know that wrestling is the only sport this applies to, or activity, or um, if you go bowling, and you bowl at three hundred, are you a pro bowler? 
No, because you didn't make any money bowling at 300. You're not a professional bowler. You don't make your living bowling. But if you play tennis and say you beat John McEnroe, well, you're still not a professional tennis player because you don't make your living playing tennis. If you play golf and you beat Phil Mickelson, I'm just throwing out old names here because I'm old. And if you beat Phil, you're still not a professional golfer because you don't make your money doing golfing. Your sole source of income. If you're a skydiver and you survived 100 jumps in a row, well, unless you pay your bills by skydiving, you're not a professional skydiver. You can name sports and activities until the cows come home, even two cows. Mm-hmm. You're not a professional, but in professional wrestling, if you got a pair of boots and in many cases, not if you have tights and in many cases, not as long as you have done something in someone's backyard, have built something that looks similar to a ring and you've gotten in there and whether you've ever won a match or not, you're a professional wrestler. And they want you to think they're a professional wrestler so bad that they will many times, Emily Wrestler, Jerry Wrestler, David Wrestler, Evangelina Wrestler. They're so desperate for you to think that they're a pro wrestler. They will put wrestler as their last name to take away all doubt. And then if that ain't bad enough, all these wrestlers, I see them attached to companies I've never heard. What's the name of your company again? Great North Wrestling. See, at least I've heard of Great North Wrestling. I know about Great North Wrestling, but I'll see these people on Facebook, more Facebook than anywhere, not so much Twitter because you have to have a verified account. Well, you don't have to have a verified account, but they make you throw a license and shit or X or whatever the hell they call the place now. But on Mm -hmm. Facebook, you can apparently pose as anything or anybody that you want to be and you can get by with murder doing it. But name me anything else, bowling, tennis, badminton, I don't give a fuck what it is. To where they call themselves a professional because they've done some variation of it. Professional plumber. You know how pl- you know how pro plumbers make their living? Plumbing. Professional air heat and air guy. You know how he makes his money? Fixing and repairing and installing heating and air conditioning units. And That's they're accredited. A, a, and they're accredited. Mechanics. I'm a professional mechanic. Well, I got some guys that have fixed my car that are not professional mechanics because that's not how they make their living. But those that do make their li- those would be the professional mechanics, those that pay their bills each and every week. Well, I had one of these dumb rednecks not long ago. Well, Kenny, I am technically a professional wrestler. I pay my bi- <laughs> pay my bills with what I make in pro wrestling. I said, you stupid fuck. You are 38 years old. You live with your mother. You have no bills. If you If you wrestle and actually profit $4 from the show, then I guess technically you pay your bills <laughs> For pro wrestling. I paid for my own Big Mac King. <laughs> Your awesome. mother doesn't mother doesn't charge me any rent. <laughs> so it awesome. irks me. It irks me when people refer to themselves. And you know how long I was in the business before I could actually refer to myself as a professional wrestling manager? Quite a number started, of years. I started working for Nick Goulas in 1987, November of 87. I started making my living from pro wrestling in 1995. About eight years. Bobby Eaton told me when I was early on in the business, he says, you know how long I was in the business before I could literally call myself a pro wrestler that I could pay my bills. And it, even then barely seven years for beautiful Bobby Eaton, a, a real wrestler, mm-hmm. a wrestler. 
Everybody thought he was professional long before then. Couldn't pay his bills. Had to have other jobs. Had to live with family and friends, shit like that. So, no, you're not a professional. Facebook, 99% of you need to ditch your goddamn profiles because you're or, or change it. Put aspiring wrestler. Put amateur wrestler. Most of you lose money wrestling. You didn't expect us to cover this on the show today. I hope you're willing to go overtime because this good. really hurts me. I've covered it on my show. I want to cover it on yours. If you're, not, if you're not paying your bills, you're not a professional. You're either an aspiring wrestler, an amateur wrestler, or it's a hobby. Call it a mm -hmm. hobby. Golf's a hobby. Mm -hmm. Bowling's a hobby. Tennis is a hobby. It's a mm -hmm. hobby. And I'll tell you who told me that Dutch Mantel, when he first met me in, in 1995, uh, right around there, he says, Kenny, he says, you're pretty goddamn good at this. He says, I'm going to go on to say, and he may or may not admit it, you might even be better than Jimmy Cornette. He says, but it's hard to make a living in this business. He says, so if you will just treat this as most people's golf, only golf costs a lot of money to play. You can, you can do this with a, you know, and at that time I was using one of Cornette's rackets, tennis rackets, and I was wearing a pair of black dress pants and a members only jacket. The, the cost was very minimal to participate in the wrestling shows. And I was making $75 a show doing one or two shows a week. Well, even in 1995, you can't pay your bills making 150 bucks a week, mm -hmm. but that was more than a lot of people were making. Many people were getting $20. And then, and I, and I'd never go out of town. I just worked local shows that were easy to get to. So whatever I made was profit. I have talked to people, females and men who have spent three to $400 over a weekend for travel, hotel, food to be on a show because somebody they want to claim they worked with was on the show. One of those people was Arn Anderson of all people. And he'd been out of the business for a long time. And I factored up. I said, I said, young, I said, what are you getting paid for the show? She said, $20. I said, not really. I said, you're, you're spending over $350 to be a part of this show. You're losing $330. Yeah. But I can tell everybody I worked on a show with Arn Anderson. So she does the show, never meets him, never saw him up close, saw him from the ring, saw him, saw him in the ring while she was in the locker room, standing at the curtain, never met the man and spent but I can say I worked on a show with Arn Anderson. Well, I don't think that girl's in the business anymore because that was a few years ago. That was back when Arn was actually working shows. So, um, uh, it's, it's kind of the antithesis of, of the OVW philosophy where those, where those folks are, uh, and speaking in terms of the docu series, we're, we're seeing, you know, all facets. Oh, so you want to talk about that. So you want to talk about what you advertised me to be on here for to talk about the Netflix series. Okay. Well, we, we throw can up, hit throw up, green, great, throw up Green Gaze's comment there. Bro, Bro. tell Mr. Boland. Well, I'll let you read it. You go ahead. It's your show. <laughs> Bro, tell Mr. Boland. Russo wants him back on the brand. Bro. Uh, Bro. Bro. Uh, Greeny Bro. Tell Bro. Tell uh, tell Sir Bro a lot that if he wants me, he, he's got my home phone number. Give me a call. I don't think he wants me. I, I think he's uh, very happy with the cast of uh, people that he's got. He's got Al Snow on every Wednesday or mm -hmm. Thursday. Goes head to head with me. What mm -hmm. the hell? Says he loves me, and then he goes head to head with me with Al Snow. We're killing him in the ratings, by the way. But still, I don't want to brag. That's not uh, like that's, me to brag about anything. I, it's not not of my ilk to brag about my accomplishments and abilities. <laughs> I don't like to do that. Why? Why you laugh? Why you laugh like that? No gimmicks, guy. No, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just, just agreeing with me. 
I'm marveling with with your candor. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Here's, uh, here's a, little warm, a little warm here today. I don't have the air conditioning on today. A little warm. Here's a message from boss man Maurice who says, I can't hear you guys as I'm at a bar in Ireland, but looking forward to hearing it in the morning. Ask Kenny what he thinks of Bischoff. Oh, yes. He's at a, a meet and greet uh, Q&A with Bischoff as we speak. He started a fuck Dave Meltzer chant tonight. Wow. <laughs> Bischoff started that? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Uh, I uh, Well, number one, my daughter-in-law and son have a home in Ireland. My daughter-in-law is still there right now. My son is traveling to several different countries right now and and uh, came back here to America for a couple of medical procedures he needed to do. Uh, but so, yeah, I'm very familiar with Ireland. I also saw that they were handed, and, and I'm going to get to the question here in just a minute. I love Eric Bischoff, by the way, and I'll cover that here in just a second. Because I don't, I don't think Russo and Bischoff get along, do they? Or do they? Absolutely not. Because they, they used to work together, right? Yes, and in, in ah. that... Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Bash at the Beach 2000 episode, uh, Bischoff buried Russo so deeply. Oh, really? really? Dirt. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, wasn't aware of that. Because um, I'm friends with both. I've had Eric on my show a couple, three times and, and just excellent episodes. He, he did get on me for interrupting too much, but if you're coming on my show, that's going to happen. So, But I promised him to be less interruptive the next time he comes on. Uh, but I, I love Eric. My son loves Eric because they're both motorcycle guys. Um, so what was what was the fuck chant they got going? Fuck Meltzer. Yeah. You know, my, problem with Meltzer, Meltzer. my problem with my problem with Meltzer is, is that Meltzer worshipped Jimmy with a fucking passion. OVW was the greatest show on television when Jimmy was there. Um, Write ups about us every week. Best show on television. Better than Raw. Better than SmackDown. You got to watch OVW. When Jimmy left, he contacted Meltzer. Well, well, Jimmy didn't leave. He got fired. When Jimmy got fired, he contacted Meltzer and told him, please don't ever say another positive word about OVW uh, ever again. Guess what? We never, ever saw out of Meltzer's mouth ever again. So all of a sudden, when Jimmy's there, we're the best goddamn show on television. Jimmy leaves. The numbers are still the same, if not better in most cases. Uh, the crowds are just as good, if not better, because we still because the crowd was based on what WWE star are you bringing us? Well, we still had a contract with WWE. I was there till uh, 2008 when the contract had ended. We started it in 1999. But Meltzer never said another fucking decent word. And I have reached out even now that Jimmy hates Meltzer because Meltzer dared like something AEW has done. I think Meltzer must have found somebody he likes to blow over at AEW because he does go a bit over the top as to how good some of the matches are. He's, I would, I would think he's just as old school as me and Jimmy and Dutch Mantel and Jerry Lawler and a few others. So what is it that all of a sudden happened over there that they're the best goddamn company in the world? And, uh, and I have reached out to him even after Jimmy turned on him or, uh, it's probably Jimmy turned on him. Um, Jimmy turned on me over the Russo thing, over me working for Russo. And, um, but no, I have, uh, I've worked with Russo. I've had Bischoff on a couple of times and I don't have anything bad to say about either guy. Um, I think me and Bischoff would have gotten along pretty good because I think Bischoff would have given me free reign to be me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I know Russo would have, and Russo has been very complimentary of my managerial and speaking abilities over the years. And, um, uh, and even though I never got to work for Bischoff, I think he and I would have got along pretty good. 
Uh, but, uh, fuck, fuck Melcher. Where's this meet and greet at? Where, where's this go? In Dublin? Dublin, yeah. A bar, Bishop right? is in Dublin right now? Yes, he is. I yes, would have had my is. daughter-in-law go down and say hi to him and say, hey, I'm Kenny Bowen's daughter-in-law, and he would shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she mm-hmm. works for Google now, and I don't know that she could have got the time to go down. I don't know. If it's right now, she could have, because uh, fuck, it's 11 o'clock. They're doing a meet and greet at 11 o'clock at night in Dublin. It's 11 o'clock over there. I think, yeah, I know I the think time it might have started uh, a bit later. About I 9 think o'clock it, or something? Yeah, I think it was in the Oh, I would have given anything to have Maya go down and say, hey, Mr. Eric, I am Kenny Bowen's daughter-in-law. And he that says, fuck Meltzer. Oh, that would have been over, wouldn't it? That would have. And he says, fuck Meltzer. <laughs> yeah, I'd have been Eric Bischoff's best friend if she'd have done that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. You you bring up the um, the falling out, so to speak, with uh, Jimsy and. Uh, oh, oh, Jimsy. Jim, yeah, you you and uh, and Hannibal both call him Jimsy, right? No, that would be a shout out to Matt Granahan, the King of Connecticut. He's the one. The King of Connecticut. Yeah, Matt Granahan. Okay, that's <laughs> Jimsy. I, I love that because not even I came up with Jimsy. I like I like that better than some of the names I've come up with. But uh, what I want to display to everybody well Bowen's only jealous over jimmy now Bowen was an ovw two years before jimmy got there uh i worked for nick goulas jimmy Cornette never did i am thankful for a couple of opportunities that jimmy opened the door for but he also closed the door to a lot of opportunities having affiliation and working with russo having affiliation and working with eric bitchoff getting an opportunity to work in the wwe Bill Dundee said he never once put me over that I wanted to be in the wrestling business. Bill said, if you come to me, I'd have got you in a long time before Jimmy or Jerry Lawler did because they didn't, Lawler didn't even know because Jimmy never told him. I was led to believe that for seven years, Jimmy was working on bringing me in. Never mentioned, other than to tell funny stories, my name never came up. Kenny did this and he brought my name up to because when Vince McMahon met me, he says, I thought you were a fabrication of Jimmy's imagination. So you're real. I said, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I met him backstage, uh, he acted like he had no indication that I ever wanted to be in the wrestling business, even though I was an OVW two years before Jimmy got there. But uh, where I was going with this, if you add up all the people that Jimmy had great relationships with, and by the way, I have not wished Jimmy dead or, or wanted to kill him and his, and his ex-wife. He wished that upon me and my son. He wanted wow. to piss on Russo's grave. Jimmy wants to kill everybody that he doesn't agree with. Okay. Uh, so if that's the side you want to pick, it tells me who you are. Um, but look at all the people. Um, uh, Chris Jericho no longer speaks to Jimmy. Meltzer, who Jimmy, uh, you know, let's face it, they blew each other for a long goddamn time and enjoyed it. Hey, if you enjoy it, that, that's your business. Doesn't, doesn't affect me any at all. Uh, but Meltzer don't speak to him anymore. Um, um, I, I call him Jack Double Barrel Cannon. What's what's his real name in the WWE? Jimmy Badmouth, his wife. Forget it. Becky Lynch. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. They, they, he don't speak to him anymore because Jimmy Badmouth, his wife. Uh, yeah, Tyler Black. Um, I mean, all these people still speak to me, other than Meltzer. <laughs> Meltzer just doesn't acknowledge me. It's not that he doesn't speak to me because I've written him say, "Hey, man, I'd love to do your show. Let, let, let's let's talk." And won't even respond. Won't even respond. And um, and and I think I got enough credibility in the wrestling business that he could have me do an interview or be. On, does he do a podcast? Because I honestly don't know. Melter. Yeah. Yeah, he does uh, Wrestling Observer live 
um, him and uh, Alvarez, sometimes just Alvarez. See, Al, 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 Alvarez and me were good friends uh, for a period. Yeah. I, I don't know if we are now or not. Maybe if Meltzer doesn't acknowledge me, maybe he doesn't either. I don't know. But Alvarez was in OVW for a brief period of time. Um, forgot what all he was doing, but I, I do remember him being there. So I don't know. But you name all the people that Jimmy used to have. Lance, uh, well, maybe Lance Storm still gets along with him. Jericho don't. No, Lance, uh, Lance Storm has a beef with uh, your old, uh, shall I say, partner, Brian Last. And oh, Jesus. Well, so, that would, so that would alienate Jimmy because yeah. that's Jimmy's meal ticket because Jimmy can't do the shows without Brian. Yes. Uh, Brian Last is just a worthless POS. Um, very mean-spirited yeah. individual, and I very think mean, the two of them he, together. Yeah, yeah very yeah. mean. He probably is with Jimmy and peeing on people's grave. He is, he is offered to fight people. I guarantee you two things that have never happened is Jimmy Cornette or Brian Last whipping anybody's ass. They've talked about it a lot. Brian Last is a certified puss. Brian Last ain't going to whip nobody. Matter of fact, we have his home address, and when he was talking shit on people, they said, well, me or my son, either one, you know, I'm 62 years old on disability. I don't fear you whatsoever. You can imagine what my son would do to you for some of the shit you've said about him. What do you say we come up there and we, you know, he didn't take us up on our offer. So I invited him to come here. You want to talk so much shit. You want to whip somebody's ass. You're going to whip all these wrestlers. I'm not a pro wrestler. Come down here and whip my ass and see how that goes for you. Oh, you really want to get fucked up. Why don't you have the nerve to say to Chris's face what you've said about him on and off the air on Jimmy's show? Why don't you do that? Uh, they haven't had any interest in that either certified puss ain't going to fucking fight or whip nobody. And he only challenges. He's like Jimmy. He challenges people that he knows he'll never have to have an interaction with. Even with Russo, when he was wanting to fight Russo, he, he told me, well, I'm going to bring a ball bat. I said, why are you going to bring a ball bat? Well, in case he gets in a lucky punch. I said, well, Russo, I've, I've, you know, I've shook hands with Rufo, Russo. I've had dinner with him. Uh, pretty, He's going to stomp your ass. You better bring your ball bat because Russo's going to stomp your ass. I have fought you, Jimmy. I have wrestled you in shoot matches. You're going to get your ass whipped. So, um, so that never happened. And, th and then Jimmy turned it into a wrestling promotion. Jimmy says, I'm going to put $5,000 in my pocket. He put this out public, told me in private the same thing. I'm going to put $5,000 in my pocket. And if Russo can take it off from me, he gets it. I said, well, he's going to take your money <laughs> and he's going to beat your ass. I said, but by the way, being as you're such a tough guy, give me, and I was at my worst at that time. I was in horrible health. 589 pounds back then. I said, give me that shot. I said, put five in your pocket, five grand. And if I get it from you, I win. And if I can't take it from you, I give you five grand. Nope. That was the immediate answer. So he thought he could whip Russo, who's in shape and not in the misery that I was in at that time, but he didn't want to fight me. Okay. Well, he was over for life in me with fights and shoot fights and wrestling matches. So at least he knew with me how it was going to go. But I think somehow in his head, he thought he might be able to, but I'm going to bring a ball bat. Okay, now you're a pussy. You hit Russo with a ball bat. You're now a certified pussy. Only your fan base would forgive you for that. So Yeah, I, I used to listen to uh, Cornette's podcast all the time and, and respected his accomplishments in the business. But mm -hmm. that, that cons I'm not the type of uh, individual that likes to go in on people all the time. And I just found it was, uh, especially he, with some of his comments I, were just I, over I, the top. I said it today. 
Jim Cornette. And I used to say it back when we were friends back in 2012, uh, 2013, when we started doing podcasts together, give or take. He is the Donald. And this is before Donald Trump really existed to a degree. He's the Donald Trump of podcast. He has found an ignorant base, a racist base, a homophobic base, a trans anti-transgender base that loves the shit he says, just like Trump. Trump has all these people that think he's this rebel and he's this tough guy. He's convinced him of that. Oh, I, I think most of his base thinks he can fight because he talks about it all the time. Well, I saw him run into Santino Morella after talking a lot of shit on him, and it was all he could do to get out of that situation. Someone said, well, did he really spit on what's-his-name? Who's the guy he supposedly spit on? The guy that made fun of Jim Ross? Oh, uh, Ed Ferraro. Ed Ferraro. Did he really spit on Ed Ferraro? I said, yeah, and that tells you what a pussy Ed Ferraro is. I said, because two times I have been spit on. Once was at a wrestling show where I pulled the guy out of the third row, and I just told this story on my show the other day. You're not supposed to do this because you know, you're doing a show. You do not spit on me. I don't give a fuck if you're the undertaker. If you spit on me, you're going to have to kill me. I do not tolerate being fucking spit on. And this fan spit on me. And then he, I turned around to see who did it. And I'm wearing a suit, which I abandoned those after being spit on. And someone threw nacho cheese at me at a show. And I turned around, saw he was, and it, it was only three rows deep. All the fans were in the upper level of the bar. He's in the third row of the lower level, and it wraps around the arena in the lower section of the bar. And I turned around, and this little fucker who goes about 175 pounds, if he's lucky, um, bragging that he spit on me, pointing to himself, like, yeah, I did it, motherfucker. And I looked at my wrestler, and I went back, because we're getting ready to head to the locker room. I went back, and I grabbed him by the collar of his shirt, pulled him over the people in the next two rows, drug him into the floor. Well, the wrestlers know the shit's on now. So to make it look like they're not trying to help me, they block anybody from getting involved. And I got him down and I don't hit him with my fist because that's a violent assault. I'm saying spit on me again, motherfucker. And I'm slapping him as many times as I can open hand, making sure everybody sees that. Cause I know if I hit him with my fist, I'm probably going to jail. He ain't worth going to jail over. And I slap him as many times as I can till I wanted to say the police, but I'm sure it was security. Security gets there and pulls me off from him. I'm yelling at him as they're dragging him out of the bar. I said, you be out in that parking lot, you motherfucker, and this shit's going to change. You're going to get more in slaps if you're stupid enough to be in this fucking parking lot. Try and spit on me again, motherfucker, and I'm just going off on him. And the Ian's mad at me because I'm going off on a fan. I said, don't spit on me. Do not spit on me. Whether I can whip your ass or not, I'm going to try. And I mean it, man. If Undertaker had ever spit on me in the back because he didn't like something, well, he's going to have to whip my ass, and he probably could have but do not spit on me. And it happened once as a teenager, somebody spit on me. So the fact that Ed Ferraro let Jimmy the pussy spit on him and didn't do shit about it tells me that Ferraro was probably a bigger pussy than Jimmy. Do not fucking spit. That is the nastiest. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even let him do it during a scripted match. Yeah. Well, so-and-so is going to spit on you. No, he ain't. No, he ain't. He but might, he might act like he did, but if anything hits me, the yeah. shit's on. But as no. a fan, cheer, boo, say whatever you want, blah, 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 but don't touch the wrestlers, don't throw yes, of course. the wrestlers. And oh, definitely I didn't, don't even, I didn't even try to fight the guy that threw nacho cheese on my $150 jacket I just bought. And well, okay, that's on me. I wore, a, as a heel, I wore a nice jacket to a wrestling show. Well, then again, so did Bobby Heenan and all those guys. So I thought I could get by with it. Well, I didn't have the level of security they had. 
And I probably didn't have the education of the fans that they had. I had a bunch of dumb fucks in the South end of Louisville, uh, that did not have proper behavioral skills. So I had that going for me. So, um, um, do not spit on me. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Absolutely. So, so when Ed Ferraro didn't do shit about it, he let the known biggest pussy in wrestling now make him the biggest pussy in wrestling. Cause he didn't do shit about it. And I guarantee you to this day, if Jimmy ever shows up over here and wants to spit on me, I will beat him within a fucking inch of his life. And I will take whatever comes with it. I do not like being spit on. All right. And I don't think that's going to happen, but cir- circling it, it, back- it will not happen. It will not. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have it. Circling just like, back to- just like Jimmy fighting Vince Russo. I only talk about shit that I know ain't going to happen. And Jimmy showing up over here to fight me or my son is not going to happen. And I don't yeah. think, and, and the police have the email where he threatened to kill my son. So if it's, if it's worth going to prison over whenever he wants to pull the trigger, it's up to him. Yeah. One, one would hope he would be, uh, gaining some more, um, restraint or, or apparently not. well, yeah. re- restraint is one thing. Cowardness is, is another. Mm. And, um, he, he realizes what would happen if he ever showed up over here with ill intent, with ill intent. What uh, in, in with this hugely successful uh, docu series, and it, it's getting mainstream. Oh yeah, uh, publicity and there's yeah. There o- OVW OVW just sold out their Saturday night show for the first time in quite some time, and uh, the 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 it's hard to get good reviews on Reddit sometimes unless you it's something Reddit blows and wrestling is not always one of those things. And Reddit mm-hmm. has even been given it. I, I don't think I've seen one or two negative reviews. Other no. other than that, Al is too kayfabe. I got I got some criticism from a guy in Poland who's a lawyer, been a longtime friend of mine, and he writes me today and he says Al is insulting everybody's intelligence by locking into this kayfabe ship. I said, Well, let me tell you why he's doing it. Give me your perspective on this. I said, We or we they it used to be we. Al is trying to sell tickets in a seven state border region that is basically people that were raised on Memphis wrestling or some version thereof, not necessarily very smart to the business at all. Many of them still to this day want to believe what they see is real, even though they have been force fed that it's not, they still want to believe. And he's trying to sell tickets to a seven state area. He don't give a fuck what Netflix thinks. And I would do exactly the same because he's being very critical of Al for forcing the kayfabe. I said, I do it a lot on the shows I go on. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about some shit now and then. And then when I really want to piss the fans off, I stick to the kayfabe. I won't smarten you up. You're a dumb fuck. You have not. And and Al, Al, when he was on my show, pointed out, he says, Kenny, these, these people that think they're smart kill me. He says, unless you have done this business, and I'm not talking about backyard, unless you've been with a major organization or even a major regional organization, and been with them for two or three years, you don't know. You don't know. If you were in for a cup of coffee, you still don't know because they don't, anybody that's running a real organization does not open up everything to you. You, you earn the things that you learn like, like I did, like Jimmy did. Um, God, I remember knowing Jerry Lawler for five years backstage. And I remember uh, five years after I'd met Jerry, I was sitting by them backstage at Rupp Arena. They had 12,000 people on the other half of the arena. Jerry had just turned babyface. And I'd never really talked smart about wrestling to him. You didn't do it. You didn't because I'm a fan. 
you don't talk smart to the wrestlers about the business. Like, you know what's going on. Or you should try this. You don't dare fucking do that. Jerry used to give me rides to McDonald's when I was 17 so I could meet my other ride. Jerry and I'd get a Big Mac and a Big Red. Did not talk smart. He gave me a pair of his tights. He played music for me to get my opinion on it and whether I thought it was good for his album or whether it'd be good for the television show. I played him the Midnight Express music before there ever was a Midnight Express because I thought it would be a good theme song on their television show. Wouldn't you know that Lanny Poffo's group started using the Midnight Express as their theme song a few weeks later. So that killed it because Lawler liked it. But then again, Jerry Jarrett was going to have to do away with 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was never going to happen. But Lawler liked it. And eventually he was calling the shots and he may have changed it. So, um, but even after all that, I'm sitting backstage with Jerry at Rep Arena and in Lexington, Kentucky. And I said, Jerry, I said, I got to ask you, what do you like better, being clean or dirty? Thinking, okay, he and I can talk now. He's babyface. He doesn't have to hide anything from me. He looks at me and says, man. And we're all by ourselves backstage. And it's half of Rupp Arena. It's only me and him. And I think on the other far side of the arena are the Bushwhackers, if this tells you how far we're going back. He looks at me and he says, I don't know, man. I think I like wrestling clean. I said, yeah, why is that? I hate it when I don't take a shower. And that was as smart as he would talk to me after knowing him for five fucking years. Knowing I know, he knows I know, but I couldn't go out and tell him I knew. And you didn't do that with Bill Dundee or the Bushwhackers or Cowboy Frankie Lane or whoever the hell was there. Jacques Rougeau, Canadian. And it didn't matter. So that is how protected the business was. So Al Snow is protecting his market, his business. He's not going to sit there and talk smart to everybody. And then when he was on my show, he points out, unless you've done this in a real organization for two or three years, you don't know. You know what you read on the Internet and you know yeah, what people yeah. think they know. They don't know shit. And, uh, and I said, Al, that's probably about as well put as I've heard that. Because I, I've, I've explained to people as well, and Jerry Jarrett said it. I watched him say it because I was not officially smart to the business yet. I was just allowed to hang out backstage. Don't act like you fucking know anything. You're just a guest back here. Keep your fucking mouth shut. Wasn't said, but interpreted. Guy knocks on the door, got his boots and his tights. He's ready to work. Knocks on the door. He says, hey, Mr. Jarrett, pleasure to meet you. My name's whatever it was. And I'd like to work on your card tonight. Do you have a match for me? And Jerry just looks at him. He says, oh, I I'm smart to the business. Jerry looks at him, and I swear this is exactly what he said because Jerry admitted it on my show. Well, young fella, you might be smart to the business, but you're not smart to my business. You need to go around and buy a ticket. And that's, and I saw it happen. I said, holy shit, that is awesome. That is what awesome. Did, what did the guy mean about Al uh, sticking to kayfabe? I, I thought he was very measured in his... Um... In his, well, in his, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Maybe you can enlighten me. He just said that Al was insulting the fans' intelligence by sticking to kayfabe. I haven't seen it, so I don't know what he's talking about. No. You, you, you disagree? Oh, 100%. Because yeah. Al, Al is somewhat open. I mean, he worked for ECW. <laughs> Al worked for ECW. It's not like Paul was protecting the integrity of the business <laughs> the, the whole time he was there. So I couldn't picture Al going above board with it. But then again, there's only so it's not like Ian Rotten where he sets out an hour before the show and smartens everybody up to angles they're working on and potential people we want to bring in. And who do you want to see work with who Ian would do that for an hour before the show and smarten. And this was in 1995. 
that's why he didn't work out so well in, in the Louisville market. And then he starts doing all the barbed wire and light Death tube shit it. and stuff like that. So, uh, and then he eventually got banned from the state of Kentucky. So, um, um, but no, I don't know. I haven't got to see it yet. I don't have Netflix and, uh, but eventually I'll probably drop the 1599 and, and watch that. And as soon as I hear there's something else on Netflix, I might want to see right now. They don't have a lot going on over there. I'm dying to see. Mm-hmm. And when I heard I was only in for a brief second and okay, well, I know where I'm at, you know, I don't need to see what they used of me or what they didn't, but they did tell me. That, that there's a very good chance that I will have a lot more to do in season two. And they've already got about five hours worth of footage. So if they talk about the successes of OBW, there's only five of us in the hall of fame. They don't want anything to do with Cornette. Even Cornette, Cornette started telling everybody that they begged him to be a part of it. Uh, tried to fly him in and everything. Well, according to the people I talked to, that never happened. And I talked to the people that would know. And they said, no. And as a matter of fact, when they asked me to do it, I said, now it's up to you all who you have on the show. I said, but if Cornette is going to be involved and I'm going to have to have any interaction with him, he's going to try to look big in front of the boys. He's going to pop his mouth off. And if my son is with me, one of us is going to beat his ass. I said, it's going to be good film for Netflix. Oh, it, it, it's a ratings getter. Cornette and Cornette and Bowling fight. I said, I can tell you how that fight's going to go. And especially if it's my son and I've already beat his ass more times than I can fucking count. So um, we can do this, but uh, out of respect for Al Snow and, and Netflix and others that Jimmy has harassed in Al's company out of respect for us. And I won't mention the, uh, the young man's name, but uh, uh, Jimmy and his wife tried to ruin uh, the life of a guy that works for Al Snow. So I think out of respect for me and that young man, uh, Al said, well, there's no way we can bring him in on this thing, even if anyone wanted to. But Jimmy, of course, to save face, well, Bolin's in it. Why aren't you in it? Bolin's bragging about how much they filmed with him. Why aren't you? Well, you don't have to fly him in. They're right here. Where were they going to fly Jimmy in from? He's right here. And I think they were talking about flying Danny Davis in. I don't know. Is Danny Davis in any of the episodes? Uh, there's right, I believe, in the first episode, they're they're laying the groundwork in terms of the history. And, and they yeah. do flash like, him. Like with me and Cena, yeah. Yeah, flash him very briefly. There you go. So they did not fly him in then, right? No, no. Well, that's when Jimmy there. was claiming that they were going to bring Jimmy in because they're flying Danny Davis in and all that. Don't have to fly Jimmy in. He lives down the fucking road from me about five miles, six miles. He's not far away. That's interesting because uh, he made a comment on his podcast that was quite, um, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, but right when it was about to debut and he yeah. made a comment that was quite dismissive about it saying, well, you know, you know, this isn't the OV, the, the flavor of it was, this isn't the OVW of old and it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, low rent, blah, blah, no offense uh, to Al, uh, but it's low no, rent. No, offense, no, no offense, yeah. but you're, why you're would product, you take offense but... to that, right? But it, yeah. it was it was about a two minute comment and uh, and that was when, it. when is when has Jimmy ever turned down an opportunity to be on television or a Netflix documentary? Yes, he would brag about that to the fucking cows come home, as I had said earlier today. So he'll be on these dark side things, but he won't do a Netflix documentary. Bullshit! Stop it. Mm-hmm. Talk about talk about insulting people's intelligence. But I told him if he's going to be a part of it, I will not be. Out of respect for Al and anyone involved because if me and Jimmy fight, yeah, oh, it's going to be great for Netflix. They, they'd, they'd probably antagonize the fight. Hey, I hear Jimmy said this. Oh, really? Tell him, come say it to my face. And if Jimmy were stupid enough to do it, now the shit's on. 
There's a lot of people at age 62, 63, I cannot whip. He's not one of them. And he knows that. So, uh, and my son's a whole nother fucking story. That would, that would be something that should not be filmed because it would be cruel and unusual punishment towards human beings. I might let him live. I don't think my son would. Yeah, he's threatening to kill my son. What do you think my son would do? Oh, absolutely. Self-defense. It's it, That's kind of a head scratcher that uh, they were. Here's my assessment of Al in that uh, documentary. All I, right. was, I was thoroughly impressed at his um, at his honesty. He was sharing what, uh, you know, a man in his position, the booker. And then yeah. uh, all the issues that that an independent uh, booker encounters, such as talent leaving in the middle of uh, storylines, et cetera, et cetera. But one point that was interesting was the the investor in the um, yeah. I believe his name is Mark. Um, he well, you got the one you got you got the one guy that was a big deal with Kentucky Wildcat basketball, uh, Matt Jones. They said Matt was very insulting towards Al's ability to manage yes. money. Yes. And that's, it's, insult- that, that's it's, it's insulting for people like that to try wrestling, whether it be me or Cornette or Al Snow or Danny Davis or anyone else, for some money guy to come in and try to tell us how to run our show. You might yeah. tell me what you want to finance and what it is you would like to bring to the show, but you don't tell me how to do the show or Jimmy. Yeah. Or, yes. or or Al Snow or Danny Davis or whoever the fuck's running it. Um, yes. Don't. And I doubt you would. T- now, you said you're vice president. Who's the president of your company? Uh, she, she is an individual that um, is it does not have a, a role in terms of uh, the actual product itself, but is the uh, right. The uh, the business end of it. I'm the uh, forward uh, face of gotcha. the company, but I will say this: I found um, that that individual is, is her name known to the public. No. Ooh, no. president with no name. That sounds like a song. A president with no Came name to the desert on a president with no Shrouded name. Shrouded in intrigue. But, yeah, but that is. was that was president one of the the unknown president. That that's a comedian. That's the right. Maybe. President. Maybe work that into a story. Maybe line. we can have somebody run for president in America with a sack over their head and just be known as the unknown president. Like the unknown comic. Like the unknown comic, who is one of the funniest son bitches ever, by the way. Agreed. Look him up. Look him up for those of you that don't know. He used to be on, uh, what was that show he was on all the time? And I don't the know. Gong show. The Gong Show. <laughs> he was always on there. And nobody made me laugh more than that stupid fuck with his corny ass routine. And yeah. it was just, he was just so funny and clean. He never told a dirty joke that I know of. And no, uh, un, unknown, if you don't, if you've never seen the unknown comic, <laughs> and he every show, I don't know what he looked like. I guess eventually he revealed his identity, but he had a bag over his head, fucking grocery bag. Yeah, with, eye, with a, eyes in it. Quite a brilliant prop, but the, the but, unknown president. I bet he'd get over and probably win the election. The unknown president. Anything's possible, but I thought that uh, in, an I thought animated that Al, in an animated cartoon, something Al yeah. Al came across very very well in this whole thing, and uh, very realistic in his portrayal of the concerns that he had, etc. But dealing with um, dealing with this uh, this Matt fellow, I thought uh, man, you know, Matt he, Jones, he is uh, he's a big deal in Kentuckyana sports radio. That's uh, big, big, yeah. big podcast guy. He's been on my show once. He said he was going to come back on because the original plan was, is that 
anybody that worked for Ohio Valley Wrestling, thanks to the financial backing and all the tele, because Alice said they're in several million homes due to all the television networks they're lined up with, including Fight TV. And uh, we talked about that on my last show and that, he, that, that they have access to millions of homes. Well, now we got to get all millions of them watching the show. That, that's the key. You can be in as many homes as you want. We need to find a way to make them watch eventually. Um, and, uh, but no, Matt, Matt Jones, uh, the way it was explained to me is that everybody's going to make a livable wage that works for Ohio Valley Wrestling. I have talked to, uh, people involved with the show backstage on camera, off camera wrestlers and non-wrestlers that said, well, that lasted for a few weeks. <laughs> and, uh, now what happened to that? Uh, Cause it sounds like there's a lot of money backing the show, but never put money to where you can't make a profit. And pro wrestling at this level, it's hard to make a fucking profit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a reason that me and Jimmy Cornette never started our own promotion, even when we were best of friends. It's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Jimmy found out with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. They went bankrupt in two or three years, and he had a big money mark. And when they ran through all his money, they were done because they couldn't do it no more. They weren't making the profit. And I worked on some shows in Knoxville that had 10,000, 12,000 people at it in the Knoxville Cup. And, but you only do those once a quarter, you know, and then you got to pay the talent because they ain't coming in for free. They ain't staying in, in at someone's house for free. They're not eating for free in most cases. My people do. But, um, so when you bring in that many names, the, the profit margin is not what you think it would be. And then you got to pay for the fucking big ass building you're in. Mm-hmm. I don't what's, what's the biggest building you've ever booked? Well, we we have run some uh, junior uh, C hockey arenas that uh, in in Ottawa, Ontario, as well as uh, Smith Falls. Now mm-hmm. our next show is at, uh, and they hold uh, five to ten. Our next okay, show, five, five, uh, uh, about fifty five hundred was capacity for the Louisville Gardens. Yeah, and we'd and we'd run there once a month. Now Lawler and Memphis ran that every week. Memphis, Tennessee, 12,000 people every week. Evansville, Indiana, 3,000 people every week. Rupp Arena, 12 to 13,000 people every month. Nashville, yeah. three, 4,000 people every week. Jonesboro, Arkansas, one or 2,000 people every week. Tupelo, Mississippi, one or two, 3,000 people every week. And when different you have time. a territory like that, yeah, different time. Jo- Jonesboro, Tupelo, uh, uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, they had one hell of a territory. Uh, if anything, less than 2000 people showed up at these shows, it was fucking miracle. Louisville put them in the books, 5,500 people every Tuesday night, 12,000. I've heard Lance Russell said sold out Memphis, mid South Coliseum, 12,653, whatever the number every goddamn Monday night. And Lawler sold out the mid South Coliseum more times than Elvis Presley. Well, of course he did. He was there every week. Elvis Presley didn't perform in the Mid-South Coliseum every week, and he wouldn't have sold it out if he did. People got tired of it eventually. They never got tired of Jerry the King Lawler. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think on the whole, it was uh, – I'm looking forward to season two. I've got nothing but uh, the utmost well, – Me respect. too, because I might actually be in that one a little bit more. Well, let's, <laughs> got the let's hope. But uh, out well, of all, so the, all the characters in, uh, in that uh, docuseries, uh, Al came off – uh, as uh, a really knowledgeable old school guy, nothing but respect for him. The the investor was infuriating. For example, the the investors. Well, I, well, I uh, idea, to see it. I, I'm not begrudging them. Oh God, people walking by my window. 
I plan to see it. I'm not begrudging because I'm only in it for a couple of seconds. I, I plan to see it. I just Choco's a big fan of people that walk by the window. She's my watchdog. She don't, she don't take no shit off nobody. Now you notice one one cow. See, that's one cow in the window. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty stable. He 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 don't uh, you know he don't fuck around. You know he doesn't just, do much. He he intimidates. He intimidates. He, he don't do much. He's had that pose for a long time, and that's one cow in honor of two cow. <laughs> that's so, awesome. What yeah. uh, what what I think what I think we should do, Kenny, is uh, as we're we're on overtime here. I would love if. After you watch the docu series, we could have you back and do a more yeah. uh, in depth analysis on it and get your thoughts. But I would say, out of well, I don't all, think I ever smartened you up that I hadn't seen it yet, or did I? Uh, no, but that's that's cool. Well, You're, I fucked you over, didn't I? Fucked you over good. That's what I do. Absolutely not. You know it's the name always of my a book. pleasure. You know the name of my book. I got one handy here. There's probably, like probably screwed you too. There it is. And I got you because you thought I'd actually seen the damn thing. And then that's not the case. So <laughs> you brought me in to talk about something I absolutely know nothing about. And I still made it probably one of the most entertaining shows you've done in 10 or 15 years. You know what? It's, it's at least as, as entertaining as the last time that we spoke, but I, I want to absolutely have you back and go in more in depth and that might set the table for the fans uh, looking forward to season two. But I, yeah. I will, I will say this about the documentary and, and I'll be interested in your thoughts afterwards. Sure. The thing that, the thing that uh, irked me the most, so to speak, was the money guy coming in yeah. there and, and telling Al Snow how to run his business. And his he a lot of people. That, that's what the number one complaint I've heard. And they wanted to know if this was a, uh, a, uh, work for the show and i said no that's pretty much who he is no his his big idea listen get this his okay. big idea to generate revenue the uh the money right. guy was to do, uh, do about 30 uh dates in about 30 days and uh go on the road and uh, some of them look like they drew a very minimal audience and then to turn around oh, so, so, so wait a minute so they actually did the 30 dates in 30 days okay yes. Yes. How many of these dates do we see on the documentary? Uh, about about four or five, and some of them four were of them. some of them drew okay, and then some like well, there was no, no, I, I don't want okay. I, I don't want okay. You're you're a man in the wrestling business. Roughly about how many people are showing up at these shows? Uh, it it depends. The, the you don't have to outdoor, be nice. You're just giving a review. The outdoor venue looked like it had about fifteen people. Some of the indoors, uh, a couple hundred, but. It just fifteen at an outdoor event. Yeah, it was it was pretty. What the bad. fuck was it? Hell, it it, it was would have got a bigger bad. crowd. But oh, but man. then for this do guy, you know what, go, do, did they did they say what city it was in? They did, but unfortunately, it's uh, it slipped my uh, memory That's right now. Right. But well, you're but, not on the memory medicine I'm on. I could have told you if I'd seen it. Fish, fish oil <laughs> helped. So, but for this for this guy for well, this guy to go, I'm on something more powerful than that. We're, we're going to tell, I'm going to tell Al Snow how to make money. And my solution is to go on the road and do a slew of shows. I thought showed how little actual mm -hmm. knowledge he had. Of, who who of do you know ever in the pro wrestling business has done 30 shows in 30 days and thought they were going to make money? Nobody. He, he's a genius, ain't he? He's a genius. Mm -hmm. And I would, and if Matt Jones would be kind enough to come back on my show, I'd tell him, what were you thinking? What were you yeah. thinking? Uh, and and without, without proper promotion, and you can do all the fucking shows you want, 
you have to have something. And even I know that, and I don't consider myself a booker. I don't consider myself a promoter. I know how to promote me and my people. I never wanted anything to do with booking an entire show. I know how to promote me. I know how to promote my wrestlers. I would never want to tackle that task. But even I know if you don't give the fan, like these cuts that WWE had. Oh, well, AEW is going to pick these people up and make a fortune. No, they're not. Because just like with all everybody else, WWE has never one time gotten rid of anybody that they wanted to keep. Mm. There's nobody on that AEW roster, maybe other than MJF, but there were people at WWE that didn't like MJF. I think that person's gone now. And uh, Punk tried to go back and Vince didn't want him back because of how he did him. Punk tried to beg his way back in, couldn't get in. Triple H might have considered it. Um, Oh, I got to tell you about my dream with Jerry. I know we're overtime, but you're going to love this dream I had about Jerry Lawler and what the new owners have done with Raw. Fuck, this might happen. (laughs) This might happen just to keep up with AEW. Uh, But unless you put somebody on the show that people give a fuck about, and no offense to the current roster, there's a few of the girls over there I think really highly of. None of the men are currently sticking out with me right now that I would want to pull ten twenty dollars out of my pocket and who i gotta go see this guy he's great sorry there's nobody there to that level yet a couple of the girls are very good shalance is very good jada stone's very good the girl they label as the hood rat uh i think the the thing's kind of featured on her and her boyfriend is that correct does, does she get a lot of the attention yeah um I'm trying to remember her name too jeez hold on a second Haley or Haley something like Haley. that yeah, Hollywood yeah. Haley J. That's her name. Okay, all right. Yeah. Tell me this. How much of Shalance did you see? How much of Jada Stone did you see? And how much of Haley did you see? The Hood Rat. Ton of, uh, a lot of Haley. A lot of Haley. Yeah. All right. Allow me to criticize Netflix because Al Snow would have nothing to do with this. They fucked up. The star of the women... In my opinion, whatever I fucking know, I only sent 54 people to the WWE that were told they never had a shot. Shalance is the star with a little bit more work. She can be a big star. Jada Stone has some amazing in-ring ability. Nice look. Jada has a lot of potential. Haley, I don't know a lot about. I'm about to sneeze. Hang on. Oh, I don't have a sneeze button, so sorry about that. No worries. Um, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to ugly. Oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, this memory medicine, man, I'm remembering all my old shit. So um, I think they fucked up. Now, who's the boyfriend? Do we know his name? Because I heard that a lot of it was featured around them. Yeah, some some guy that I found entirely uh, unremarkable. No offense. Un- unremarkable, and maybe uh, I saw in the trailer, in my opinion, some overacting. Yeah. Some overacting. I don't like overacting. Yeah. Be who you are. Be natural. That's why I was good. I was good at being an asshole. That's why Bret Hart became good. Bret was good at being an asshole. Steve Austin was good at playing his character. They mm-hmm. just took what was in them turn it up. Some people say times 10. I think Kenny Bolin on television was turned up maybe three or four times. I've heard people say times 10 because I'm so nice and charitable off the air. I can still be an asshole if you fuck with me. You know, even at age 63, I, I 
if, if my knees and back and everything worked real good, I still think I could be very entertaining on a television show. But for what I do right now, broadcasting and podcasting are it. That's all I can do. Physically, I can't do the other shit anymore because the knees and back will not allow it. <laughs> um, but no, I think they fucked up there. I think the if there's eight fucking parts of this, distribute all the talent equally or as equal as you can get. If you're going to feature anybody, I think Shalonce and Jada Stone on the women's side would have been where I would have put some attention. Obviously, Layla Gray, who's doing a great job in AEW. But Jade Cargill is now gone. Jade mm-hmm. Cargill was a lot of that. Jade Cargill, to me, is the most natural-born wrestling star going today, female mm-hmm. or male. Mm-hmm. Jade Cargill, there's not many people that can go to New York City, put on whatever it is you want to wear, that shows off what and who you are. I mean, I can go up there and I can wear my neon and my pink and my cutoff sleeves and my compression shirts and never go, well, there, there goes a weird looking motherfucker. And that's about as far as it's going to go. Jada, uh, not, not Jada, but, um, uh, Jade Cargill, almost Jada. Jade walks down the street in New York city, wearing her, not even her wrestling gimmick, but just whatever skin tight she wants to wear. Everybody's going to look at her and go, I don't know what she does. If they don't, that's that's a fucking star. Mm. Becky Lynch walks down the street. And if you don't know her from the wrestling business, you don't know who the fuck she is. You don't know who Dr. Britt Baker is. You don't know who Paige is. All these various people. Jade Cargill is a fucking star. Excellent promos. Could be a little bit better and they're going to get better. Her in-ring work. My son said, send her to Japan. Let her learn this craft for a year from real people that know how to work and send, bring her back. And she's going to be the biggest star in it. Now I understand that WWE has signed her mm-hmm. WWE, uh, AEW let go. The only thing they had that WWE would want other than MJF MJF mm-hmm. obviously would be a monster motherfucking star in the WWE because of the pro I'm not even factoring in his workability and his workability is excellent. Uh, he tends to blow Cornette a little bit too much for me, but Hey, you know, if he worships Jimmy, that's fine. But sometimes who you worship tells me who you are. And when you worship a racist and Jimmy's been fired from a lot of television shows because of racist remarks, homophobic remarks, transgender remarks, and he's pretty much unemployable because Jimmy wants to be in the wrestling business and wants to be a, a big deal. Real bad. Nobody's offering him a job. Nobody credible. NWA got rid of him for the shit he said about the fried chicken and and the bike in Ethiopia. He's used that line before. He used it now at a time that he was held accountable for it. He has Mm -hmm. a YouTube video out where he said the N-word 16 times. Mm -hmm. And then you tell me that you're entertained and you worship Jimmy Cornette. What is it that entertains you? The racism, the homophobia, the transgender shit? Which one of those things entertains you? Because none of that shit entertains me. Didn't entertain me when we were friends told him so many times guy comes on my show the other day have you seen where jimmy went through the drive-thru and 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 harassed that girl oh i thought that was so funny oh really you thought jericho recorded that i said jericho enabled him that's why jimmy's the way he is now because he found a racist base who gets into it when jimmy belittles black people or poor people because jimmy thinks he's better than anybody he's ever met probably including me he thinks he's better than everybody he's ever met. I'm shocked he and I got along because we were from two different financial classes. 
we probably should not have been friends based on how Jimmy treats people now because he don't like poor people. Has a tendency not to be that fond of black people, if you've heard his comments. Doesn't like, tra- he calls uh, Kenny Omega twinkle toes. Really? Your wife is bisexual and that's okay, but it ain't okay for Kenny Omega to be bisexual. All right. That adds up. You're not a hypocrite. And then uh, transgenders, he's, he's bitched about Dana Brooks's looks. Said that uh, Becky Lynch shouldn't uh, shame on her for having a baby at this time in her career. She have a baby whenever the fuck she wants. That's her deal. It's her body. It's her career. Have it whenever you fuck. And that's why Jack Double Barrel Cannon doesn't talk to him anymore. That's the name I gave him that he really liked. But WWE called him up and they did not go with Jack Double Barrel Cannon, as you figured out. So uh, I, know I'm, I know I'm way the fuck over. We're about 20 minutes over, but I did want to uh, cover that. Renee Dupree coming up on what show for you? On November the 4th, the Renfrew Reckoning, the big return to the Ottawa Valley of Great North Wrestling. Uh-huh. Fans, if you're, if you're watching this, Renee will be in the main event for the first title defense of Magna McLaren. One of, one of Kenny Starmaker Bowen's biggest stars, I might add. Big star. Yes, sir. The first defense of the Canadian title. and it's Oh, the first defense? Yes, after, uh, after Magna. Who's, who's, who's the current champion? Uh, Magnum McLaren, my man, part of the big money players. He defeated. Oh, let me guess far. who's managing. Let me guess who's managing Matt McLaren. Can I guess one time? Okay. All right. So that guess is out of the way. Right. Is there going to be a briefcase at ringside? Is there going to be a briefcase? Well, I'm a busy man. And when I'm, uh, backstage, I, know you're busy. I, I have to, uh, I have to keep my papers and whatever together. Well, you gotta, you gotta keep all that shit close by just in That's case right. the phone rings. Yeah. I know how that goes. I was accused cause I was a big fat fuck back then. Some say he's a big fat fuck now. That's all right. I'm not as fat as I used to be, but many people accuse me of having a lot of Twinkies in my briefcase. And so, and so one night I had it break open and I had a bunch of Twinkies in my briefcase. That's <laughs> so, awesome. But there's another night it broke open when I hit Randy Orton in it with it and it broke open and a bunch of bricks fell out. So you never knew is there Twinkies in that briefcase or are there bricks? So, well, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to give you a one night pass to carry that briefcase. But if you really want to make this a big deal, if you really want to make this a big main event, what you should do is have the battle of the briefcases and have the original manager of Rene Dupree back me up some Jade fucking Cargill money and send that down here prepaid, by the way, I ain't showing up there on a promise. I want Jade Cargill money. One night appearance. I'll show up there with a real briefcase, the real one. And I'll teach you how to use that briefcase in a way that you ain't going to like too much, son. And you're going to wish I had Twinkies in that briefcase when I turn that so much loose on you. And I will manage Rene Dupree for the first time in 12 years. Uh, well, longer than that. Cause he's been gone since like Oh five or Oh six. Long time. Been a long time since I've managed Rene Dupree. So why don't you get with your sponsors and your promoters and your real president with no name, find me that Jade Cargill money. And I'll teach you a little something about briefcases. If you want to learn something. Well, I think how about, I think how about Kenny, that bitch uh, on, on, on that note, Kenny, it's, it's, note. it's time for you to pass the torch. And uh, I'm more than happy to carry of, on that. A lot of us ain't real fond of passing passing that torch. You know that, right? <laughs> I made it clear that it was a, a tribute, but uh, yes, we we should definitely discuss that. But fans, we have reached the end of another edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling. I ready Podcast. to go. I want to talk more about this man. I want to talk about my Jade Cargo. I don't want to go. I want to well, go another ninety minutes. 
Well, I want to talk to the uneducated redneck marks you got up here in Canada that don't know anything about wrestling, that think you're a big deal, that think you know something about briefcase. Why don't we just go a little bit longer? Why don't we go another 90 minutes? How about that? If if you keep talking like that, you're going to turn me face. So uh, another interesting possibility. (laughs) But possibility. But we we definitely want to have you back, Kenny, when you've seen the documentary, and we'll keep in touch in the meantime. Got a mouse in your pocket? We we want to have you back. Got a mouse? No, that would be a boss. That would be boss man Maurice. He he who's who's going to yell? Who's going to yell at me because I made you go twenty four minutes over? Who 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 gets that heat? Nobody yells at me because they see how I uh, utilize the briefcase now. There you go. Okay. All right. There you go. It is it is called cheap heat. It is called Cheap Heat. So, fans, I want to say once again, thank you for joining us. Thanks to the Star Maker. And we will see you again very soon. Take care, everyone. Good day.